Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message and our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen. Last week, Paul talked all about Jesus, but what we're going to see this week It's how Paul, knowing Jesus, remember, we talked about how he's been praying for the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding. He wanted them to be filled with all of those so that they would know who Jesus is because he knows that if they know who Jesus is, it's gonna transform the way we live. It's just that simple. Knowing Jesus is to love Jesus and to love Jesus is to live for Jesus. And so that's, it's very simple. So what we're gonna look at, we're gonna transition from Looking last week all about Jesus to this week, we're gonna focus on Paul's response in Paul knowing Jesus. So the three things that we're gonna look at today are who Paul is, what Paul does, and why Paul does it. So who Paul is, what Paul does, and why he does it. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to open to Colossians chapter one, and we're gonna read verses 24 through 29. So here we see, this is where Paul begins to describe who he is, what he does, and why he does it. Verse 24, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, we proclaim, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. God, we pray for your spirit to mightily work in this place right now. God, we know that your word does not return void. So God, I pray today that there would be life transformation as a result of your word. And God, we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing that I want us to look at is who Paul is now. You know, we we talked about our testimony. We talked about that we had our life before Christ. We talked about our encounter with Christ, but then how our life looks differently afterwards. And we can all say with an amen that Paul's life looked a lot different afterwards than it did before. And so Paul, the way, what he says he is now, look at verse 25. Here's who Paul is. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God. He was made a minister. Now here's what's very important of understanding what Paul is introducing us to about himself here. Paul didn't 
seek out a position. Paul didn't seek a platform. Paul didn't promote himself. What Paul lets us know here is that God made him a minister of the gospel. God is the one that ordained that. God is the one that that instructed that. It was not something that Paul went looking for. And that's what we know that we talked about last week is being a part of the body of Christ, that when we are adopted into the family of God, we're not only adopted into the family, but we submit to him as the head of that body. And so what Paul is helping us to better even understand is that the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ, the head places the parts of the body where they need to be and not necessarily where they wanna be. The head of the church, Jesus Christ himself, places the parts of the body where they need to be, not necessarily they wanna be. And look, I'm living proof of that because you realize that a lot of times when we're obedient to the Lord, that God is not always gonna send you where you wanna go. You do realize that, right? Because I remember When I stepped into ministry, when I stepped into what I felt God was calling me to do, and just to be honest, it had nothing to do with being inside a church. I wanted to coach basketball. I wanted to to do that. That's what I felt like God was calling me to do. And so I stepped into that ministry. But I remember, you know how we make deals with God? Or am I the only one guilty of that? I remember, I said, God, I'll teach and I'll coach And I'm probably about to offend every one of you in this room. But I said, God, please don't send me to the south end of the county. God, I'm a North Hall boy. I don't belong down there in South South Hall County. So God, please. So the first interview I took, Davis Middle School. I pulled up Google Maps back in the day. Y'all remember MapQuest? I pulled that up and guess what? There was no further school south than Davis Middle School. But you see, my flesh didn't necessarily wanna be there, but my obedience was what sent me there. But the beauty in that is what we have to surrender to is that when he is head of the church, he's not always going to send us where we wanna go, but he's gonna send us where he wants us. And now I look around me and I see how things go full circle. It never fails. Every baby dedication, I look, and one of those parents were in my PE class. So that's one of two things. Either I'm getting really old or I'm getting really old. There's really not two. There's just one. But the reality is, is when we surrender to the head of the body, he's not always going to send us where we want to go. He's going to send us where he wants us to be. But the beauty in that surrender is that God transforms our hearts and when he sends us where he wants us to go, that ends up being where we wanna be. Because that's something only the transformational power of God can do. And so we see this in Paul's life. We see number one, that Paul was called by God. Number two, we see that Paul was placed by God. And number three, Paul was equipped by God. And so I would ask you this question right now, are are you where God has placed you? Are you where God has placed you? Or maybe God is even in the process of transforming your heart and changing your direction. And your first thought is, God, I can't go there because I'm not equipped. God, I can't go there because I'm not talented enough to do that. If that's your argument this morning, can I go ahead and tell you right now, that's probably exactly where God's sending you. 
If you feel unqualified, if you feel like there's no way that you can pull that off, can I go ahead and tell you right now, that place that God's sending you that seems that way is probably the exact place that he wants you. Because you see, you're not dependent upon yourself. You're not dependent upon your skills, your, your knowledge, your wisdom. You're not dependent upon your talents. When you feel unqualified, you have no choice but to depend on the one who has called you. Can I tell you that there's not a Sunday here that I feel qualified to stand here? People always say, they say, Brian, we see you down there chewing on your fingernails the whole time you're about ready to step on stage. You're dang right, because I'm scared to death because I feel unqualified. I don't feel prepared, but what I do know is that God has called me and when I submit to that, God will equip. That's not my job. God does what God does. But we have to surrender to the head of the body and let him place us where he wants us. But are you where God has placed you? Or is God in the middle of placing you somewhere else? Maybe it's a change of job. Maybe it's a change of career. Maybe it's just a change of location. I don't know what that may be, but you have to ask yourself the question. Are you where God has placed you? You see, Paul was called by God, he was placed by God, and he was equipped by God. So we know who Paul is now. He was made a minister of the gospel by Jesus Christ. But now I want us to look at what Paul does. As a result of who he is, let's now look at what he does. Look at verse 24. He says, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. You know, on the surface, when we read that, we may read that on the surface and look at it as, man, Paul is one arrogant dude. Paul is, is that what he's saying here is that I'm gonna make up for what Jesus wasn't able to do? Am I gonna be, did, did God send me here to finish the work of Jesus? Am I filling up what Jesus couldn't do? Has God called me? Because the thing is, is if you remember last week, even in the top of, of, of midway through chapter one, Paul said, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell. All the fullness. So it said that everything was accomplished through Christ. But on the surface, when we read this, it appears that now he's going backwards and saying that Jesus was lacking in some things. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to tell Jesus he was lacking in anything. Amen. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what does Paul mean when he says that, that he's here? He's there to finish up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. Because we all know what Jesus said on the cross. He said, it is finished. Meaning that there's no work left to be done, but what we have to understand is there is a difference. Because when we look at what filling up means, when Paul uses the phrase filling up, here's what I love. And this is where I wanna challenge you with is this. When Paul says that he was filling up, what he meant was in what he was interpreting was, I fill up my part. Because here's what Paul understood and here's what I want all of us to know. Paul realized that Jesus Christ, he's trusted him as his savior. 
So he's trusted in him for salvation. He's trusted in him in the forgiveness of his sins. But what Paul also knows is that's not where it stops. Paul is saying, I'm trusting in Jesus for that, but I am also going to accept the responsibility that God has given me. You do know that Jesus Christ didn't save you to become a spectator. Jesus Christ saved you to become a warrior for the gospel. Jesus Christ didn't save you so that you can come in here on Sunday mornings and feel better about yourself. Jesus Christ saved you because he's given you a skill set to make his name famous. That is why God saved you. He didn't save you to sit here. He, gave, he saved you to go to war. I stumbled across a, a quote this week that B.B. sort of shared with me in, in my office one day. And it's a quote that comes from a man by the name of C.T. Studd. Yeah, y'all get it too. If his last name's Studd, I'm going to listen. But I want you to listen to this quote by C.T. Studd and just examine your hearts and see if this is your desire, to see if this is your prayer. C.T. Studd says this, let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. <laughs> you see why his last name's Stud now, don't you? Did you hear what that last sentence said? Let us be so obedient. Let us be so sold out for the gospel that there would be a thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from this field of battle. Here's the question we gotta ask ourselves: If God calls us home tomorrow, would the enemy even take notice? If God calls you home tomorrow, would the enemy just go, eh, whew, what's the big deal? Or if God calls you home tomorrow, what if the devil says, thank God they're gone because they were making some noise for that man named Jesus. I'm relieved they're out of here. But if we had to ask ourselves that question, what would the devil's response be if God calls us home tomorrow? Because for me personally, there's days, there's days in my life that I don't even think the devil would take notice of me being gone. Those are the days that we tend to be selfish. Those are the days that we tend to put us number one. Those are the days that we make ourselves our own priority. And so if we were gone tomorrow, would the devil even notice we were gone? Paul was a guy who we gotta believe there was some rejoicing in hell when that guy was done, right? Because you see, Paul was made a minister of the gospel. And he accepted the full responsibility of what God had called him to do. But it doesn't stop there. Look at what else he did. Verse 25. Verse 25, we go on to see that Paul talks about what he's still doing. He says, of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. And then in verse 28, he says that we would proclaim. 
When you see that word preaching and proclaiming, those are very similar in the context of what they mean is to announce, to teach, and to warn. So in his full responsibility of being obedient with what God has called him to do, he was called to preach and proclaim. Now, I know in your mind, you're going, okay, whew, praise God. I'm not that guy on that stage. So therefore, this must not be to me. You see, preaching, proclaiming is translated to announce, to teach, to warn. And if you are called by God, can I tell you that that is every one of our responsibility is to preach and to proclaim the name of Jesus? It doesn't matter what stage, it doesn't matter what platform, because the reality is, remember, wherever God has called you is where he's placed you, that's where he wants to use you. And in those circumstances and in that location, your job as a follower of Christ is to proclaim and to preach and make his name famous. Now, it may not be to the masses, it may not be to hundreds of people, it may not be to thousands of people, but the beauty in, it may be to one. And can I tell you that that one is no less important than me standing up here? Because that's what God has called you to do. That's where God has placed you. And so therefore, I know God will equip you. But if we surrendered, if we submitted to that. So we see another thing that Paul did. He was preaching, he was proclaiming. And so we kind of hit on it just now, but who was this for? Who was he preaching to? Who was he teaching to? Who was, who was he instructing? Who was he warning? Look in verse 28, and it's made very clear who he's doing this for. Verse 28, we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Pretty simple. God has called you to proclaim and to preach to every man and woman. Every one of them. Every single one of them. But what we see here is that Paul is emphasizing the universality of the gospel, that this gospel is for everyone who will believe, teaching that there is no limit on the full wisdom of God. It means that we can all have the full wisdom of God if we will listen. And it also means this, that there is no limit of his saving grace. It means that there is no limit on the saving power of Jesus Christ, that the gospel is for all. And so that's why he continues to emphasize that word every. And I love this quote. It says, the character of this teaching is as free of restrictions as are the qualifications of the recipient. The characteristics of this teachings are as free of restrictions as the qualifications of the recipient. And so as Paul preaches, as Paul proclaims, we read there in the scriptures that he's making this mystery clear. And the mystery that he's talking about is the mystery that they've lived in for years of knowing that, this, that, that the Jews were the only chosen ones. But you see, when the good news of Jesus Christ came, that mystery became very clear because now the good news was now not only limited to the Jews, but it was open to all of the Gentiles. And the reality, the beauty of that is guess who qualifies as a Gentile? Anybody who's not a Jew. 
And that's us. Thank God for the gospel that in that moment when the veil was torn, it was for all of us. And this is what we have to preach. This is what we have to teach, is that the gospel is for all and the mystery has been made clear. So I know you may be asking yourself, how do I apply this in my context? How do I apply this in my circumstances? How do I apply this in my life? Same way Paul would. You recognize today that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have trusted your salvation in the shed blood of what took place on the cross, then you have been called by God. And if you've been called by God, he has placed you somewhere. And if he's placed you somewhere, he's going to equip you to fulfill your calling. It really is that simple. It really is that simple. If God has called you, God has placed you, and God will equip you. And so the way that you apply this in your context is you ask yourself, God, where have you placed me? God, how do you want to use me? God, who in my life do you want me to proclaim and preach this gospel to? Who in my life do you want me to share with? And even simplify it, God, who in my life do you want me to share my story with? Because as a follower of Christ, you do realize that every one of you, as a blood-bought believer, you have a story to tell. And I know some of us, we get caught up, we get caught in the, the mindset of that our testimony is not powerful enough. That I didn't live a life in hell the way everybody else did and then God redeemed me and saved me. But can I tell you that there is no story greater than the other than the story of redemption and it doesn't matter if you were living like hell or not. The bottom line is, is without Jesus, you are gonna bust hell wide open and there's victory in that. There is no story that's not big enough to be told if you've been saved by the grace of God. We need to rejoice in that. Be thankful that you didn't have to walk through those valleys in order to understand the love of Christ. Maybe you were brought up in a home where it just sort of, you went to church all the time. Jesus Christ drew you to himself. You surrendered your life to him and now you're leading worship. Praise God for that. But it doesn't make your story any less impactful than the other ones. Be thankful for those stories. And if you got one, God wants to use it. God wants to use it. And so we see here, we've seen who Paul is. And we've talked about several things that he does. But there's one more thing that I want to talk about that he does that we don't really like to talk about. It's how he started verse 24 off. Now I rejoice in my suffering. Now some of you are going right now, man, now Brian, I could kind of get on board with that preaching and proclaiming and announcing stuff, but I can do without that suffering stuff. Are you sure that's what God's called me to do? Jesus Christ suffered. Paul suffered. So how are we to think we're any different? 
obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, submitting to the head of the body. Can I go ahead and tell you right now, there is suffering coming. And what is heartbreaking is there's a lot of places that you go that you don't hear that truth. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. Because there's a lot of people that are told if you'll pray this prayer, if you'll just follow Jesus, that life is easier here on out. Can I tell you, as a follower of Christ, it's gonna get harder. It's gonna get tougher. Because you see, there's things that we're gonna walk through in life that are anchored to suffering. Because God wants to use that suffering to make his name famous. And I know that is so countercultural to what we hear on the news, what we hear in this world. But the reality is, is God wants to use the very suffering that we walk through. And I know a lot of us don't like to hear that. And can I tell you, I'm no different. If we all went around, how many of you want to suffer today? Ain't nobody raising your hand. But the bottom line is, is the Lord wants to use that suffering to make his name famous. I remember some years ago when Chelsea and I, had, right after we'd had Brock, we were trying to have another child and we had a miscarriage. That's suffering. We were angry with God. We didn't understand what we were walking through. We didn't like what we were walking through. But at some point I said, God, okay, I don't like this. I don't enjoy this suffering, but God, I know you're wanting to use it somehow. So here it is. God, use it. Now you fast forward probably 10 years and I find myself with my wife at La Perea with another couple of a young man who was in my PE class where with tears rolling down the bride's face, she looks and was letting us know that they'd had a miscarriage. And in that moment, God made it so clear. Here's why you suffered so that you can lock arms with this couple and you can point them to me. Still didn't make it a whole lot easier. But you see, God wants to receive glory through our suffering. But are we willing enough to surrender that suffering at the foot of the cross and say, God, use this suffering to make your name famous? And no, we're not always gonna be there because that is a very difficult thing to do. It's to surrender that suffering at the foot of the cross. But you see, when we look at the story of Jesus, when we look at the story of Paul, when we look at all the disciples in the New Testament, every one of them suffered. Every one of them suffered, many of which lost their life for the sake of the gospel. They died for this man named Jesus. Some heads cut off. Some stoned to death all because they wanted Jesus to use that suffering to make his name famous. But are we willing to share in that suffering? Are we willing to do what Paul is talking about here, that he wants to take up his part? He wants to fill up my part. Jesus, I'm willing to share in your sufferings if there's the potential that it'll point people to the saving knowledge of you. 
Because you do understand the suffering that we experience here on this earth, it's all temporary. Are we willing to walk through the temporary for the sake of the eternal? Are we willing to walk through this temporary suffering so that someone's life can be changed for eternity? But you see, that can only come with the response of knowing and loving Jesus. So the shared suffering, the shared suffering that Paul's talking about is all the suffering that led Christ to the cross. The humiliation, the suffering that was incurred through just being exhausted from serving people. And also the heart of suffering as a result of being rejected. All of those sufferings are the very same ones that you and I at some point in our lives are gonna have to walk through if we're being obedient. And here's where we would venture to ask the question, if we're not experiencing them, are we walking in obedience? Because obedience is gonna take us places that our flesh doesn't wanna go. When we're being obedient, we are gonna face humiliation. When we're being obedient, there's gonna be friends and loved ones who turn their back on us. There's gonna be friends and loved ones that reject us. When we're walking in obedience, we're gonna be emotionally, physically and spiritually beat up. We're gonna be worn out. And if we're just gonna be real honest, for us as the Christian in America, there's coming a day then when we will be rejected by our own country. Are we ready? Are we willing to do it for the sake of the gospel? Are we willing to do it in order to make his name famous so that someone can see where our faith belongs? Are we willing to suffer on someone else's behalf? Because if you're here this morning as a follower of Christ, you do know there is someone prior to you that suffered on your behalf. There's someone who suffered on your behalf to get you where you are right now. How many of you grew up going to Sunday school? Go ahead and raise your hand. Raise your proud of Sunday school. Proud of Sunday school. You do understand that little old lady that used to teach you every Sunday. She suffered. Because there's days that she didn't want to be doing what she was doing. She walked through losing loved ones. She walked through rejection. She walked through job changes. She walked through losing her husband. She walked through the same stuff you and I walked through, but guess what? She loved her Savior enough. She loved you enough that she allowed God to continue to use her in that suffering. But are we willing to do that for someone else? Are we willing to suffer for someone else so that they may know what we know? But I also don't want you to ever think that the suffering that we experience compares to the suffering that Christ experienced on the cross. 
Yes, we share in the sufferings that led him to the cross, but we will never be able to comprehend the suffering he experienced on the cross because there's a big difference in his suffering and ours. Because see, his suffering was to accomplish salvation. Our suffering is to simply spread it. We can't save anyone. His suffering was for salvation. Ours is to spread salvation so that others can know His suffering was redemptive. Our suffering is revealing. As we suffer, what are we revealing? But are we willing to suffer for someone else's sake? Because somebody did for you. Then Paul goes on to say that he labored. He labored. And that word labor, you and I can think of this word labor, and it's just like, yeah, we worked. I worked a little bit yesterday. I labored a little bit, a couple of hours. But you see, labored in the literal translation, it means work till exhausted. Work till you can't work anymore. Love till you can't love anymore. Serve till you can't serve anymore. But the beauty in that, that is exactly what Paul did. But what I love is how he tells us he labored but strived according to the power in him. There's many of you in this room right now, you have served, you have poured out, you have loved, you have forgiven to the point you don't wanna do it anymore. Can I tell you in a moment, maybe not even wait a moment, you need to be in this altar and saying, God, I can't do it anymore. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to empower me to keep doing what you've called me to do because you do know that there's gonna be days, even in walking in our calling, that we're ready to quit that we're ready to throw in the towel because we're beat up, because we're worn out, we're humiliated, we're rejected, we're exhausted. But you see, if he's called you, he's placed you, and he will equip you. So are we laboring till we can't labor anymore? How many of you have served Jesus to the point you're just like, man, I don't know if I can serve him anymore. And if you don't say me, you're lying. Because there's not every day that we wake up just going, ooh, I get to serve Jesus today. There's days that you get up and you go, oh, I got to tell who about you? That guy at work don't even like me. But you see, the power comes from the one within you, not from you. But then lastly, we see the why. You're thinking, man, he's only on point three. We're done. But the why, Paul does what he does. We read in verse 28. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present Every man complete in Christ. See, the reason that we labor, the reason that we share, yes, it is because we want to see people saved. But what we also want is we want them to be presented to Christ in maturity. Because you realize that, yes, we celebrate there's 10 salvations last week. And just to even continue to celebrate, 
Do you know that since the middle of March, we have seen over 54 people surrender their heart and their life to Christ? But guess what? That's not the end. That's just the beginning. So many times we love to see these people pray a prayer. We love to see them get saved so that we can brag about the numbers of how many people are getting saved. But church, there's accountability in that because once they are blood-bought believers of Jesus Christ, then the church steps into place. And we need to listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 4 where he says, I equip the saints for the work of the kingdom. They're saved, but church, are we equipping them? Are we empowering people to serve a God who saved them? Are we teaching them what it means to serve? And I'll be honest, I don't think we're doing a very good job. And here's why. If we were equipping them, if they were maturing in their faith, if we were maturing in our faith, if we were being equipped, we would never have to stand on this stage and ask for a volunteer. So you know what? I'll take full credit, full blame for that. Maybe that's something that God is showing me that I'm not doing a very good job in. Discipling, training up. Because if I was discipling and training up, we should never have to stand on stage and say, man, we need some people in the kids. We need some volunteers in the youth. We need some volunteers in the parking lot. Because if we were truly being discipled, if we were being equipped for the work of the kingdom, we would all be working for the kingdom. So this morning, it's kind of complicated as to where to land because we've seen who Paul is. We've seen what Paul does, and now we've seen why he does it because we want to see people presented as mature in their faith. But what is your role in that? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.